0: Hello lovely humans, Ursula from Queer Dungeoneers here, welcome to a special story episode for International Podcasting Month. What you're about to hear isn't set in the world of Queer Dungeoneers, but it is set in the world of the first long-running campaign the cast played together. This game forged our found family, and it's one of the reasons QD exists today. We use Masks A New Generation, a system about teenage superheroes trying to find their place in a city already saturated in superpowers. The main character, Danny, was mundane, but came into her powers over the course of the campaign hadn't picked up a pen in years but the experience of playing her inspired me to write again and here we are this story is a love letter to the power of role-playing i hope you enjoy the small snapshot into the world we built together Danny! The words on the documents Danny was holding swam in her vision. She blinked rapidly, rubbed her eyes, yawned. Danny, honey? Hmm? Yes. Uh, sorry. Danny looked up at the figure in the doorway. Even now, after so many years, her heart swelled at the sight of Ansel, alive and well and real, and here, with her. We have a new arrival. She's. Uh, well, we need your help. Alright, uh, I'll be down in a second. Ansel turned to leave, but stopped in the doorway. Are you okay? Danny paused. Out of all the things she'd had to face in her life, lying to her partner was still one of the most difficult. Uh, I'm fine. I just didn't sleep well last night. All the night before? All the night before that? Are you having nightmares? I could come over tonight if it would help. No, no, I'll be okay. I've got to work late anyway. You should get some rest you're teaching again tomorrow. "'Actually, shouldn't you be leaving soon? You'll miss your class.' "'I've got a bit of time. Besides, this is important. I'll see you downstairs.' Danny sighed and lowered her forehead to the desk. She could still feel Ansel's disappointment and hurt as her footsteps receded down the hallway. She signed the document she had been reading, filed it away, and left her office. In the hallway, several young children ran past, one nearly colliding with Danny as she emerged. At the last second, the child blinked out of existence and reappeared on the other side, still hot in pursuit of the others.' Hey, no running in the hallways. Take your game outside, please. Danny yelled after them, but she couldn't hide the smile in her voice. Sorry, Miss Danny, the blinking one called back as the whole group descended the stairs and carried on towards the garden. Danny chuckled. The sound of laughter and play in the halls of the once silent and empty house she grew up in would never lose its charm, even if some of the rules were being broken. She followed them down the stairs and into the lobby, pausing to talk to a group of teenagers who had formed a sunny group under the stairs on the way. She could hear wailing even before she'd rounded the corner to the hallway where adoptions took place. They had divided what was once the large living room into three, with large glass windows facing the hallway, which itself opened up onto the garden outside. Danny could see Ansel talking to one of their caseworkers in the meeting room, and a basket with a squirming bundle of blankets inside sitting on the table between them. Electricity danced above it, swelling and crackling in unison with the cries. Danny opened the door. What's the story with this one, then? Hello, Miss Lockwood. The caseworker greeted her warmly. bit of a mystery, actually. She was found abandoned in the park across the road this morning. She's clearly got powers, but she's far too young to control them, and I I think she's in pain. I thought maybe you should have a look at her. Danny frowned and reached out to pick up the child, but Ansel caught her wrist gently. Be careful. Her powers are painful. They're hurting her, and they'll hurt you too if you touch her. I'll be okay. Scooping the baby into her arms, Danny did feel the unpleasant prickling sensation of electricity running up and down her skin, even with the blanket between them. The child screamed and cried as Danny placed a hand on her forehead, and tiny forks of lightning shot towards everyone in the room. Ansel sucked in air through her teeth, while the caseworker ducked and avoided it, clearly practiced at this point. Danny grimaced but kept her hand on the baby's soft head. Closing her eyes, she reached within herself and found the well of non power that flowed there. She willed it to divert its course, to run into the tips of her fingers and beyond, to keep pushing until it found the edges of the tiny body and filled its every fibre with its nothing. The desperate cries stopped. Danny felt a soft hand on her shoulder. Darling, look! She opened her eyes and found herself staring into deep silver pools as the baby looked back at her in wonder. Her breath caught. Many infants had come into her care in the years since she had opened the orphanage. Some of them had had powers. Most of them found homes, but few of them had looked at her the way this one was looking at her now, transfixed, exhausted, and yet somehow trusting. She understood it was Danny who had relieved her of her pain. "'She's beautiful,' Ansel squeezed her shoulder. "'She is.' Danny was in her study, still cradling the baby when Ansel returned from the university that afternoon. The child had fallen asleep with Danny's gentle rocking and waves of nullification power, and Danny herself was struggling to keep her eyes open. She looked up when Ansel poked her head around the door. Hey, she whispered. Hey, how's she doing? She's exhausted, poor thing. I don't think she's had a proper sleep in a while. I finished all the paperwork, but I haven't chosen a name yet. I was thinking Storm, but then I thought that was a bit on the nose. Ansel approached and put an arm around Danny, looking down at the sleeping infant. How about Stella? Stella? Ansel blushed a little. It's silly, but I thought her eyes looked like starlight. Cliché, I know. (laughs) Starlight. Danny thought of Kaz. She wondered if Ansel was thinking of him too. Stella. I like it. Can you hold her while I put that on her file? She's not sparking anymore now that she's asleep. They sat in silence for a few minutes while Danny updated the documents. Ansel took Stella to the couch under the window and looked out over the garden. After a while, she said, She'll be hard to adopt out, you know. Danny looked up from her desk and sighed, I know. I don't really know how to approach this one. It's not just that she has powers. She has powers which are hurting her and others. Ideally, she'd need a super, but uh, you know how few people we get wanting to adopt anyway, let alone anyone who'd understand how to help her. Ansel met her eyes briefly, looking down at Stella, then out at the garden. "'I... you... we could adopt her.' Danny couldn't help the small bark of laughter escaping from her throat. (laughs) "'Ha! I'm serious.' She still wasn't looking at her. "'Danny, we've been together for nearly ten years now. Don't... don't you want to, you know, do something together? We don't even live in the same house.' "'I was travelling. You were traveling. You had uni and I was helping the Rebellion, and then you became a lecturer and I had the orphanage. I know, I know, Danny. I'm not saying we should have done it sooner. We both had things we needed to do, and I I love that we got to do them, but what about now? We're both living in Halcyon for the foreseeable future, there's no reason not to." Panic bubbled up in Danny's chest. "'There's a lot of reasons not to.' Ansel looked hurt but not surprised. "'Like what?' Danny opened her mouth to reply, but the words caught. All the reasons sounded childish and whiny even in her head. Like I don't know how to be part of a normal family without losing it. Like I go out every night looking for versions of my mother that aren't dead and if you knew you'd stop me. Like I'll never be enough and I'm still waiting for you to realise it. I need to go. Danny grabbed her bag and hurried out the door before she could do any more damage. Dusk was just falling as Danny dropped her keys on the counter, opened the fridge, and pulled out the bottle of wine she'd been saving for Ansel's birthday. Normally she didn't drink wine, but this particular one was sweet and reminded her of cider. And besides, there was no other alcohol in the apartment, and she desperately needed a drink. She was halfway into her second glass when there was a faint thump from the balcony and a soft rap at the window. At first, she was worried it was Ansel come to talk again, but only one person ever came in that way, and she knew he wouldn't force her to talk if she didn't want to. It's unlocked! she called. The door slid open and shut, briefly allowing the noise of the city to bleed in before being muffled once more. You can use the front door, you know. It's very easy to buzz you up, Danny teased, getting to fetch a second glass. Billy shrugged, his unkempt hair flopping unceremoniously into his eyes. I like climbing. Danny handed him the glass, giving him a once-over she hoped was subtle, and as she did, replied, Who am I to deny a boy his Hobbies? What's up? Ball busy tonight? He shifted uncomfortably and pushed his fringe away from his face to reveal a swollen eye that was beginning to darken. Ah. Then he put her glass on the coffee table. Street fighting again. I assume Baal's neither approving nor aware. No, well, yes, he worries and healing me all the time is really draining him and I, I don't want to burden him any more than I am. Besides, this will heal overnight. You're not a burden, Billy. She stepped closer, trying not to hide her scrutiny this time. He looked pale, gaunt. The skin around his eyes, though coloured by bruising, had a sickly hue and a clammy look about it. He hadn't touched his wine. It's getting worse, isn't it? She took his free hand and felt it shaking, whether because of anger or fear or the programmed obsolescence that was eating him from the inside. She didn't know. Billy? He didn't meet her eyes. Billy, you have to tell me if it's getting worse. Are you in pain? He chuckled dryly at that. "'No, of course not. But I think so, yeah. I'm not sure just how bad, because I can't—' Finally, he met her gaze and squeezed her hand back, lifting their linked fingers to his chest. "'Could you—' Danny nodded, took his glass and placed it next to hers, and lay her free hand on Billy's breastbone, palm pressed flat, fingers splayed. For the second time that day, she reached within herself and pulled the nothingness from her core. She sent it into Billy, willing his supernatural numbness away with her own. She felt tense under her touch, a small gasp of surprise and pain escaping his normally unreadable facade. Immediately, she let the effect snap back within her own body. "'Are you okay?' Billy swallowed and nodded slowly. "Ah, uh, yeah, it's definitely worse. I can, I can feel it here now,' he tapped his forehead. That's new. He looked for a moment like he wanted to say something more, but instead turned to leave. Danny caught his wrist. Hey, it's okay. Bal has a plan. It worked before and it'll work again. I know it's scary, but it's okay to be... He cut her off. What if it doesn't work? She could see his mounting anxiety sliding into anger. If it doesn't work, I'm just going to die. I'll be gone just like your mum, just like Kaz. How can you think it'll all work out? How do you know? How can you be sure? She frowned and put her hands on her hips. Done yet? Billy began to open his mouth, but this time she cut him off. I know what you're doing. It's not going to work. You can't push me away again. The fight left him all at once, and he slumped on the couch. I know. It's just I'm scared. Not for myself, not really, but I see how much it's going to hurt Baal if he can't if he can't fix it. I saw how much it hurt you and Ansel when Kaz left. I just... I can't put Baal through that. Or you. Danny sat down at the edge of the couch and waited silently for a few moments, processing. Billy, I have faith in Baal's abilities. If something happens, if it doesn't work, of course I'll be devastated. I love you. But I've been coping with losing people all my life. The hurt doesn't go away. It never will. But I know I can live through it because I've done it before. She could feel tears gathering in the corners of her eyes. I'd miss you so much. Like I miss Kaz, like I miss Mum. But I know I'll be okay eventually, even if the ache is always there. She shifted closer and lay her head on his shoulder. He wrapped an arm around her. And I'd help them be okay too. I'd look after them. I promise. At that, Billy relaxed a little. He leaned forward and picked up both of their glasses, handing Danny hers and giving a rare smile, weak though it was. I know you would. Later that night, Danny was woken by a soft buzzing at her wrist. She disentangled herself from Billy's sleeping form, not wanting to disturb his rest, especially now. Tiptoeing to the bathroom, she activated the device she had misplaced during the Dimensional Rebellion's. The holographic display flickered to life, bringing her face to face with her mother. Well, sort of. Though the woman rendered in the strange neon blue of the alien tech wasn't technically her mother, any DNA test would indicate otherwise. The weirdness of dimension jumping had long since faded, but the thrill of seeing her mother, or a version of her anyway, alive and well, never lost its potency. Daniela Sr was donning her costume when the hologram activated. "'It was remarkably similar to Kaz in the way the blue, purple, and silver suit materialised on her body from the feet upwards before flowing into her dark hair "'and turning it pearlescent white, cosmic energy sparkling gently among the strands. "'And there she was, moonshot, defender of Halcyon City for nigh on forty years. "'Christ, Mum, aren't you getting a bit old for this?' Danny rubbed her temples. "'Her mother had never been in serious enough trouble "'that she had had to intervene in any major way. "'Not really.' but so many of the wrongdoers she pursued these days were younger, fitter, faster, stronger. Danny feared it was only a matter of time, for all she knew there was a dimension she wasn't tracking where it had already happened, where that Danny, like herself, was motherless. She couldn't be everywhere at once, but the desire to somehow achieve that had grown and grown. It had begun small. Danny would only jump through if she thought her mother might be in serious danger. Then whenever she encountered a foe. Then it was any time she even suited up. These days, that was almost every night, and it was beginning to take its toll. Danny left the bathroom and crossed to the bedroom to the wardrobe as quietly as she could. She needn't have worried. Billy hadn't moved an inch, sprawled on his front with his arms and legs flopping haphazardly, but it had taken years for him to sleep soundly and peacefully, and Danny's old habits died hard. Casting a last affectionate look at him, she reached into the depths of her wardrobe and pulled out her own costume. She slipped into it quickly, more than ten years of habit guiding her in actions as familiar as breathing. Activating the device on her wrist, she whispered, ''Take me to her.'' The room filled with neon blue light, and Danny was gone. Danny appeared in an alleyway somewhere near the city centre. stank of old garbage and tomcat, but Denny was used to it at this point. She cast her gaze upwards, knowing that her mother preferred to travel on the rooftops. It took a few seconds, but… there, the telltale glint of moonlight. Denny reached out with her extra senses, closing her eyes. Yes. Right where she thought she would find it, the soft glow of a superpower that meant her mother was nearby. In Denny's power sense, Moonshot's whole body glowed the same pearlescent white as her hair. She sat like that for a few seconds, just watching. She could latch on if she wanted to, hone in, but she didn't dare. Sometimes when she did that, the person could tell, and she couldn't risk alerting anyone of her presence outside her home dimension, no matter how much she might want to. Moonshot, the woman, were men, who both were and weren't her mother, could never know. Was it selfishness to protect other Dannys from her suffering? Altruism? Both? The bright spot in her senses bolted. Dannys' eyes flew open and she stumbled. Shit. She took off in the same direction as Moonshot, trying to find her again in her power sense. If she focused, she could use it over her regular sight, but between that and weaving among the buildings, Danny couldn't keep up. Moonshot could glide on manifested moonlight, leaping from rooftop to rooftop, unstoppable in the pursuit of her foe. Powers Danny had ached to possess when she was younger. Well, she had inherited some of Moonshot's stubbornness and skill with a bow, because without breaking stride, she fired a grappling arrow and let the momentum carry her up the side of the building. When she reached the top, She paused and closed her eyes once more. Up ahead, Moonshot's glowing white silhouette suddenly clashed with someone whose power was a dull grey wall. Danny raced forward, managing to keep her power sense active with her eyes open this time. She leaped across the first gap, grappled across the second. She could see the outlines of Moonshot and the person she was pursuing now. Their aura was… odd. It wasn't like Danny's own, which seemed to suck in all light, but it was similarly intangible. They seemed impenetrable, untouchable immutable. She slowed her pace. Even under the cover of darkness and with her stealth tech, she didn't want to be spotted. She would only intervene if she absolutely needed to, and even then, only from cover. Moonshot was stalking her prey now, unaware of her own pursuer. Danny kept pace. After a while, she realised they were heading out of the city. Did Moonshot know? Danny hadn't decided what to do when she felt another blip on her radar. But that couldn't be right. It was the same grey nothing aura, the one ahead of Moonshot, but it was behind her. Stranger still, it was still ahead, too, leading Moonshot and Danny onwards towards the docks. But no two auras were the same, not ever, not even between dimensions. Similar, yes, but coloured by each divergent experience. Never identical. These two were totally unreadable, and the one behind Danny was closing on her, fast. Danny dove behind a large set of solar panels. Her mother would have to be okay on her own for a little while. She couldn't risk being seen. But the second aura slowed to a stop as it neared her, and Danny stifled a sound of surprise as a figure in what was unmistakably Apex Armour came into view. Her power sense flickered off like a light switch. Danny knew the person in front of her by many names. Lady Ash. Dr Sam Richardson. Mother Killer. But if there were two of them, that meant… Jesus fucking Christ. Danny barely breathed the words, but Dr. Richardson turned in her direction, scanning until her eyes landed directly on the hiding spot. So you are here. The doctor took off her helmet and pushed her sweaty hair out of her eyes. Come to check up on me? I thought I'd seen you around a few times, but I couldn't be sure. I didn't know this was Janus. i just came to protect my, to protect Moonshot. Danny managed to keep the waver out of her voice, but she was alarmed and afraid to see this woman again. Not only was she the reason that Danny's mother... Her real mother was dead, but Danny had banished her to this dimension, the one they called Janus, ten years ago. When her team had stumbled into Janus, they had discovered that in this dimension, Moonshot lived, and subsequently that in their own dimension, the psychologist and superpower specialist who had helped them in so many ways was actually the one responsible for her death. As much as I'd love to catch up, we need to keep moving. Lady Ash is leading Moonshot into a trap. Hope you're as quick as that bow as you used to be. I'm Quicker. Danny turned and ran, not caring if Richardson followed. Moonshot's challenge rang out across the abandoned dockyard. The lights of the city reflected off the water, twinkling and serene and oblivious to the confrontation happening on the shore. Lady Ash said nothing. She strode towards Moonshot with purpose. Moonshot pulled her bowstring back. An arrow of concentrated moonlight coalesced in the notch. You will answer for the crimes you have committed against the citizens of this city. The arrow flew free. Lady Ash's pace didn't falter. She didn't make any move to avoid it as it hit her and exploded into thousands of tiny, blindingly bright shards of light. The terrain sparkled, making it impossible to make out a moving target. Danny couldn't see what happened next. From her hiding place, she could tell they were trading blows, but the glittering effect prevented her from discerning who, if either, had the upper hand. "'I can hear your teeth grinding from here.' Dr. Sam Richardson was crouched beside her inside the old shipping container, peeking through the holes where rust had eaten away the metal. Yeah, well, last time Mum went toe-to-toe with you, she died, didn't she? Danny snapped. If the quip hit a nerve, Dr. Richardson didn't let it show. I think we need to get closer. I can't tell what's going on. You coming? Danny nodded. She notched an arrow. They crept out of the container, the doctor ahead. She didn't fear turning her back on Danny. She didn't know that she should now. As they approached, Danny began to make out Moonshot, dancing around Lady Ash, always a moving target, never staying still, and never missing. The blinding starlight was regenerated every time it began to fade. But Lady Ash was barely attempting to fight back. She seemed focused on keeping her footing, matching Moonshot's blows when they occurred, and she didn't have a scratch on her. Danny frowned. This wasn't how Moonshot usually fought, bringing lots of attention to her battlefield, unnecessarily expending energy. Mirroring her thoughts... Richardson muttered, What the fuck is she doing? She's going to get herself ki Oh. What? Danny's heart was vibrating in her chest. Oh, what? The doctor didn't reply. She slunk around the fight until her doppelganger's back was to her, Danny scampering unceremoniously behind, and stepped out from cover. What are you doing? Danny hissed, remaining crouched. Moonshot paused, and her fighting style changed. She came close now, her bow down. Fight me. She spat. Show some respect for the lives you have taken or destroyed. Moonshot's tone and posture bled hatred. Danny wondered briefly if this was how things went down with her own mother. Was she blinded by righteous fury, or was it all meticulously planned and performed? Perhaps both were true. Regardless, Lady Ash took the bait. She smirked and had barely taken one step forward when Dr Richardson slammed into her, pushing her to the ground and tying her hands in one deft movement still terrifyingly practised after all these years. She struggled wildly against the bindings, straining her arms against the rope in ways that would have quickly damaged a normal person. But they held. Lady Ash snarled, finally breaking her silence. Couldn't take me in your own, could you, bitch? Moonshot smirked. You're just upset that you're not as clever as you think you are. And you. She raised her eyes to look at the doctor. Thanks. How long have you been following me? I... Before Dr. Richardson could answer, Lady Ash swept a foot out and around, tripping her with the same ironclad force that had been used to pin the other woman. Dr. Richardson fell, hard, but didn't cry out in pain. Moonshot raised her bow. An arrow struck Lady Ash just above the collarbone, but it was black and very much made of tangible metal. It sunk deep into her flesh, touching what nothing else that night had been able to touch. All three women looked around in disbelief. Denny stepped out from the shadows, another arrow already notched. She was sweating with the effort of maintaining the dampening field outside her own body. It wasn't nearly as strong as what she could achieve with direct touch, but it had done the job this time. In her power sense, all three of the bright sparks in front of her were dimmed. If she wanted, she could let her next arrow fly on Sam Richardson. The second arrow hit Lady Ash in the heart. She gasped, spluttered, and fell backwards onto the ground once more. Moonshot turned on Danny, bow drawn and glowing arrow notched. Who are you? What are you doing? They're with me. It's okay. Okay. Dr. Richardson wasn't looking at Moonshot. Her eyes were locked with Lady Ash's, watching herself gasp and bleed out, their identical faces the same white pallor. Moonshot lowered her bow and the arrow disappeared. She knelt by Lady Ash and pulled the arrow from her chest. I would have preferred to bring you before the law, but I will not watch you suffer. You have answered for your crimes. Rest now. Lady Ash managed a chuckle, which turned to a cough, and with her last breath she spat the blood expelled from her lungs in Moonshot's face. She felt limp. Moonshot gently closed her eyes. Dr. Richardson remained still. Danny felt tears gathering under her domino mask and spilling over. Well, Moonshot stood and turned to Danny. I suppose I should thank you for your help, too, although you have derailed my plans somewhat. She held out her hand. Nevertheless, I do not have any qualms about killing her. She's been assassinating my colleagues for decades now. I'm Moonshot. And you are? Danny took her hand limply, eyes cast towards the ground she lowered her voice and tried to make it gravelly hunter hunter i haven't heard that name before are you new to the super business i'm a traveler i came on behalf of someone i loved who is gone because of her danny gestured to the body on the ground with her arrow a super from outside halcyon that is rare but not unheard of i can't say i condone revenge but neither am i one to judge she turned towards dr richardson We were interrupted before, but I am still very keen to know who you are and why you have been shadowing me for so long. I first became aware of you a while ago, but you didn't bring any harm, so I thought nothing of it. But tell me, why are you here?" Dr Richardson paused for a long time before answering, and when she did, she cast a long, unreadable look at Danny. Lady Ash is my twin. We have the same abilities as you've gathered. When I found out she was working as an assassin, I knew I was the only one who could stop her. Then you started tracking her, so I tracked you. I knew you couldn't stop her. She's invincible, as you've likely figured out. I suppose I wasn't careful enough, though. She mixed lies with truth so eloquently. It made Danny's skin crawl. Same powers, huh? That's unusual, even in twins. Well, I appreciate your patience in bringing her down, and for working out my plan. I knew it was too risky to try and contact you, so I banked on the fact you were following me, as usual. I didn't realize there were two of you, though. How long have you been following me, Hunter? As long as she has." Yes. And not just her. But Moonshot didn't need to know that. Are you going to stop now? Please? Danny and the doctor exchanged a glance. Yes. Yes. They said, in unison. Moonshot let out a breath. Thank you. Now if you'll excuse me. She placed a finger to her ear. It's Moonshot. Yes, I'm fine. She's dead. I had some help from my shadow. I'll tell you the full story later, I just wanted to let you know I was okay. See you soon. Moonshot turned back to Danny and Dr. Richardson. Well, thank you again. I have to go sort the rest of this out, but maybe we will meet again. Maybe, Danny said, swallowing around the lump in her throat. Safe travels, Moonshot. And you. Moonshot knelt and gathered Lady Ash's body in her arms. She lifted her foot and a beam of tangible moonlight appeared underneath it, holding her weight. With one last nod, she pushed off and sped away impossibly fast back towards the city. Danny and Dr. Richardson stood in silence for several minutes. Dr. Richardson was the first to speak. So, Hunter, huh? Those genes finally came through for you? Yes. Danny was watching the spot where she had lost sight of the moonbeam. When? Not long after we put you here. I'm not sure what triggered it. It might have been Kaz, when he fought a version of himself back when this whole dimensional mess began and flooded the city with cosmic energy, but they might have just activated one day. The first time, it was against an enemy that we had no business trying to fight, and we were losing and it just… happened. I don't know. I haven't been able to get any answers about how it all works because it's not a power, it's the opposite of that, it's nothing. Maybe it was always there. Maybe it wasn't. I don't think I'll ever be able to find out. Danny took her mask off and dried her cheeks with the sleeve of her costume. Dr. Richardson didn't reply right away. She swallowed several times, opened her mouth, closed it. Finally, quietly, she uttered You can kill me. What? You're one of the only people who can kill me. You did kill me. She gestured to the slick pool of blood on the concrete next to them. Danny saw her swallow again, too numb to grasp where this line of conversation was headed. I know I have no right to ask anything of you, but I've done the same as her. I'm Lady Ash, too. I deserve the same fate. Danny felt sick. When she had discovered Dr Richardson and Lady Ash were one and the same, she had been filled with a burning black rage like nothing she had ever felt before or since. She had wanted nothing in the world as much as she had wanted to put an arrow through the woman in front of her. Now she had, in a sense. And all she felt was... empty. It wasn't remorse, it was just... Hollow regret. Even though she had killed the monster, she hadn't killed the right monster. And now the right monster was standing in front of her, begging her to take her true revenge. You tried once before, try again now. Please? Sam Richardson knelt before Danny, head bowed. She was crying. Please. Danny raised her bow, arrow notched, and placed the boot on the doctor's chest, pushing her back. It works best if you touch my skin. Dr. Richardson nodded and reached up to wrap her hand around Denny's ankle, above her boot and under her legging. Denny found the well within her and let it flow from her core, down her legs and into the doctor's body. When they were touching, the effect was complete. Dr. Sam Richardson was, for all intents and purposes, completely mundane. Denny aimed her bow directly over the doctor's heart. Sam closed her eyes. Thank you, she breathed. Denny fired the arrow into her thigh. You don't get to ask this of me. I will not give you peace. I won't. Find your own penance. I don't care. She kicked her foot out from the doctor's grasp and walked away, activating the device on her wrist as she did so. She didn't turn around to see Dr Richardson curling in on herself, but she heard the wail before it was sharply cut off, and she was home. Frantically, she navigated the interface on the device and deleted the coordinates for Janice. Danny tore the device from her wrist as soon as it beeped a small confirmation. She dropped it, raised her boot, stopped, picked it up again, sighed. Her small theft all those years ago hadn't paid off right away. She had had to find the other dimensions where Daniella Sr existed as Danny remembered her, but in time it had, in essence, returned her mother to her. And now Danny was letting her go again. Billy stirred in his sleep, coughed, Danny knelt by his side and touched his forehead. It was clammy and hot. She sighed again. She got up, clutching the device close to her chest. In her closet, behind where she kept her costume, there was a safe. Inside were a number of legal and financial documents, and a wooden decoupage box that had belonged to her mother. Inside that were her mother's engagement and wedding rings, a number of handwritten letters from Ansel, a collection of drawings, clearly by children, and a bow in its compact form that was identical to the one Moonshot had been using earlier that evening. Danny delicately placed the device in the box, closed the lid, and locked the safe. She peeled off her costume and hung it in the closet. She stripped off her underwear and took a long, hot shower, washing away the feel of Janus and her mother and blood and sweat and death. She cracked the window before climbing back into bed, letting the sound of Halcyon, her Halcyon, wash over her. Danny dreamed she was sitting on a grassy hill with Kaz, looking up at a night sky impossibly populated by stars of all different colours, with comets and Milky Way trails crisscrossing through it. "'What are you going to do now?' Kaz asked. "'I don't know. Mum asked me not to follow her anymore, but... "'Danny, she's an adult. They all are. You have your own life to live.' Danny gave him a sad smile. "'Says you, soldier of the cosmos.' Kaz laughed. That's different. I was born to do this, and I am doing it. You're free to follow your own path, and you've made something wonderful. He took her hands. Isn't that enough? She opened her mouth to reply, but found her throat was tight. Not without you. Kaz wrapped her in a hug that filled Danny to her core with warmth and the strange fizzing energy that came from being so close to strong cosmic power. She drank it in, wishing she could bottle it up and take it home and share it with Ansel. As if sensing who Danny was thinking about, Kaz whispered, She loves you. So much. She wants to build a life with you. I know, it's just... I don't know how. What if I can't? What if... she needs you? She felt his sadness wash over her in waves as he pulled back and held her by the shoulders. She doesn't need anyone. You know her. But she wants you. How many times do you need my blessing before you believe it? Denny smiled at that. At least once more. Starboy? Kaz rolled his eyes, fondly. Alright, this is the last time. You have my blessing. Go and actually use it this time. As he leaned down and kissed her forehead, and her world exploded in golden light, she almost thought she could hear a second voice echoing his, soft and maternal and full of love. When Danny woke, Billy was gone, but a note on the pillow read, Thanks for everything, B. Despite her eventful night, she felt more rested than she had in weeks, and filled with a drive she didn't quite understand. She got up and got dressed in a hurry, barely remembering to brush her teeth and hair, and fumbled with the safe in her closet once more. She pulled out the decoupage box, found what she was looking for inside, and left without locking it again. Instead of driving to the orphanage, she turned the opposite way, calculating the time in her head over and over, hoping she was early enough. Danny pulled across the driveway, relieved to still see the car in the porch. She didn't even bother to close the door. She took the steps two at a time and was just about to use the knocker when it opened. Ansel stood there, cradling Stella wrapped in a rubber swaddle in her arms, small arcs of electricity running across the infant's fuzzy forehead. Danny was too giddy with nerves to be surprised to see the baby. Danny? What are you doing here? Danny opened her mouth, closed it again. slowly. She knelt and pulled out her mother's engagement ring, holding it between a trembling thumb and forefinger. Marry me? Ansel's eyes widened. She took Danny's hand, Stella still firmly grasped against her body with one arm, and pulled her up into a long kiss. I thought you'd never ask. Yes. Yes. This has been an episode for International Podcasting Month. To hear other great stories, actual plays, and RPG content, go to internationalpodcastmonth.com and join the conversation on Twitter by using hashtag IPM2019 or following at podmonth. Bye!